State Representative Kim Gardner wants to be St. Louis's next circuit attorney, but she'll have to beat three other candidates to get the high-profile position. The St. Louis Democrat makes her case on another edition of Politically Speaking. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Uh, I think that is fair As to I say. say. Hands to kiss and babies to shake. <laughs> but uh, you know, I think my record speaks for itself. It's a really good question. Hello and welcome to the Politically Speaking podcast. I'm your host, Jason Rosenbaum, a reporter with St. Louis Public Radio. Joining me in studio in St. Louis is Joe Manis, our special guest host, Rachel Lipman, and our special guest, Kimberly Gardner, candidate for circuit attorney for the city of St. Louis. Now, uh, Representative Gardner is a state rep who is running for circuit attorney. If you're listening to this, this is part of our four-part series of interviewing the circuit attorney candidates. We have come to a collective decision that this office is so important for the city of St. Louis. We want the citizens to get as much information about the candidates as possible. Right, and so we're running them all back to back. So if you're listening to this one, there's more to come, and you may have missed one already. So go go to our site and listen to it. And as I said in, in the first one, none of the candidates have been able to hear each other. We're recording them separately, but... As as the representative told me, you guys have probably heard each other 100,000 times at this point. Yes, a lot. <laughs> so what do you see as the top issues? And when, and when you're at these forums, what do people talk to you about? Well, a lot of times when you're at these forums, uh, most people are just, they want to be informed about what the circuit attorney actually does and how are we going to address the crisis that we see the murders that we've been seeing and hearing about day in, day out. So that's what I've been hearing. How are we going to address this? What can the circuit attorney, you know, office bring to this issue? And how can we move forward? And so what, in your view, is something that the circuit attorney's office could do to help with what the gun violence and, and what you're hearing about sort of the spate of violence we are seeing? Well, one of the things that I talk about is we we have to address the crisis and the crisis that we are failing to address is building trust in the system. If we do not build trust, the lack of trust in the system, then we can talk about all the diversion programs, the different courts, specialty courts that you will hear. Most candidates agree that we have to do these things because we cannot afford to incarcerate everybody. We have to to do some alternatives, but at the same time, we have to hold the serious individuals accountable for the violent crime we're seeing. And we need witnesses. We need victims to come forward and feel comfortable coming forward. Now, I talked to Attorney General Chris Coster last week, and he was saying that one of the problems is, uh, and this is something some others have talked about, is that witnesses feel so threatened. And in some cases, they've been threatened or killed. And he was talking about things that he thought could be done to make things safer for witnesses, some of which might require legislation. What, how do you see the issue? Well, I see the issue, of course, like um, you said, it's going to be some legislation changes that need to, to help protect witnesses. But like I said, when we talk about trust, people think when they hear witnesses and victims, they're, they're, they're afraid. They're afraid of the whole criminal justice system. Most people think it's an individual in the system, but a lot of times people are afraid of the system in whole. I've been around at different meetings, and I hear a lot of law-abiding citizens say, I'm afraid to call the police on that individual, that young person who's committing problems in the neighborhood because I'm afraid of how the, the whole system will interact with that individual. And so when I started thinking of this, I'm thinking, well, we want to take this individual off the streets. You know, they're causing havoc in the community. But they're more worried about the whole system, not just law enforcement, the whole system. And that's 
that's just alarming to me. So I think we have to address, one, building trust, which is the key component to all of this. At the same time, we need legislation to protect witnesses when they are afraid of retaliation, when we are afraid of some kind of um, things being happening to them for some, some person that is kind of extreme and crazy. We need those laws to protect them, but there is a sense that we have to, to better the whole system as a whole and build trust. Well, how do you build trust? Well, one, like I said, we have to have more community you know, more than just a, a community, you know, uh, monologue. We need a dialogue. We have to go to places where, you know, it's very rare, rarely do you see prosecutors. We always have the community meetings where you see people give this overview of what the prosecutor's office is doing. We have to go into schools. We have to go into some of these hard-hit neighborhoods that do not trust the system and build trust by talking and inter- interacting with community people that are not the ones that we see on a day in and day out and educate them on, one, what we do, how can we help them, and make sure we can build trust by giving them the resources that they need. And sometimes it's not about just prosecuting, it's actually prevention. And that's what I want to bring different than most other candidates that you'll hear. As I said on the outset, there are three other candidates in this race. Um, they're going to probably stress their qualifications and experience, and you can listen to them at length. Um, but I wanted to know why do you think that you're the most? Why do you think you're the best person for this job, and why do you think you're better than the other candidates running to succeed Jennifer Joyce? Well, I think as we heard, you know, post Ferguson, post a lot of the issues that we are hearing today the complexity of the criminal justice system as a whole, we have to address not just in terms of how we have prosecutors who are inside those courtrooms, but as you heard, we have to address the the community piece. The community, the law enforcement, the judiciary, all of these pieces need to come together. And what we need is a person who wants to unify all these pieces because we have to move together in a coordinated, comprehensive approach to address the violent and serious crime. And so, one, I have the experience as a registered nurse to understand the mental and social issues of how some people go into the system because of health issues, as well as a prosecutor who knows how to prosecute, to understand how we prosecute those cases, to hold those people accountable. But I'm a lifelong city resident in one of the hardest areas, O'Fallon Fairground Park area, where a lot of the violent crime is taking place to understand what crime, it's not just in terms of you losing that one individual, it affects affects the whole community and deteriorates the whole community. So that's what I bring, the different than most people. And you, when you were with the prosecutor's office, what were some of the things that, that you were handling? What kind of cases? And, and, and sort of more broadly, what would you keep then and what would you change? Like, what did you learn about the system while you were there? Well, one of the things I learned while I was a prosecutor there, I handled a lot of the felony cases. Um, you know, a lot of times my witnesses were the police officer. And one of the things that used to daunt me is you would think law-abiding citizens would trust the police. A lot of people would not trust the police. And we would not be able to hold a lot of individuals accountable because the question of police credibility was always at issue. And so one of the things I looked at and how why I got into public service is I wanted to build a better uh, community opponent in terms of educating jurors because a lot of jurors think, you know, I'm serving, I'm putting somebody away, but it's in terms of how the community looks at the whole system. So I wanted to use my experience, one, being from North City, actually living and actually prosecuting these cases that I call those serious cases, the quality of crime cases that we see day in, day out. 
But at the same time, understanding when you see young people who, when a judge was sentenced them to any kind of time, and the judge would say, what's the highest grade level they completed? Most of those young people were dropping out before the fifth and sixth grade. So we see the systemic issues, and only the prosecution has a tool, one type of tool. But we need many tools in the toolbox to address the systemic issues that why are people going into the system at the same time? How are we holding those most serious offenders accountable? And that's what I bring different than any other person, I think, running in this race. At this point, uh, when when you look at the field, and granted, you're busy push promoting your own issues and your stance, but how do you kind of see things right now when you look at the field of the four of you? I mean, I think that, you know, it's going to be a, it's a tough race for anybody. I think that we have serious issues that we all have to deal with. We all have to come to grips with. We see the law enforcement officers fighting against the prosecutor's office, the prosecutor's office and law enforcement fighting against the judiciary. So it's a lot of people in fighting right now. But I think we have to look at this race in terms of how we move forward, how we, how we go forward and, and we change this mindset that we can't prevent serious and violent crime, but at the same time, we can hold those individuals accountable and make sure our system is fair and just for everyone. One thing that I noticed actually while I was on vacation in Florida was St. Louis Police Chief Sam Dotson wrote this blog post criticizing judges for, I guess, the, the bail that they did in a couple of cases. And I don't think, I mean, I noticed this, and maybe this was my singular impression, but I, I kind of felt it was an implicit attack on, this, on the nonpartisan court plan because he was complaining about the lack of accountability. And although I don't think he said that, um, that was kind of one of the impressions that I got. So as I've been asking other candidates, first of all, what did you think of that particular episode? And do you feel that St. Louis should remain a part of the nonpartisan court plan? Because this is an issue that comes up in the legislature from time to time. Well, first of all, I do support the nonpartisan court plan because we need to make sure that judges have the autonomy um, outside of political influences. So that's one. I do support that. But at the same time, one of the things that's disalarming to me is I understand the sentiments of the police chief. I mean, we have the violent crime. It's rising. We have to do something about it. But at the same time, the buck stops with that office. And a police officer and the police chief needs to understand that we can't keep pointing blame to the last line of defense. That's the, that's the judges. And the judges need autonomy. And they need to be able to look at those individuals that come before them in a fair and just manner. And that's all we can ask. It's not like everything that's done with the judiciary do I agree with, but I agree that they are the last line of defense and they need their their discretion to make those decisions on an individual case by case. But what I also want to say is we have to all stop pointing fingers and work together because if we keep pointing fingers, we see what's happening. The bad guys are winning and we cannot afford to lose more people to the senseless violence. Just a few minutes ago, I came in here and I was um, going to a funeral um, Tyrell Thompson, who was shot and killed, actually in my district, um, he was an up-and-coming artist. You know, he just got the dream job of his life, and his life was cut so short. And when I went to that funeral, I broke down and cried, and I'm like, you know, this devastating destruction, and by no means is Tyrell anything, you know, this is a tragic incident. But they're all, we have a lot of tragic incidents that I feel this pain for. And so I understand that We've been trying these things for decades that we've been doing right now. We've been trying the same status quo types of things, and our crime is going up. The violent crime is going up. So we have to look at how we address the violent and serious murders by trying something different. Until we work together and stop pointing fingers at each other, we're going to continue to see this rising serious and violent crime, and that's what I want to bring to that office different. Now, 
coming as a state legislator, are there things that you've learned from the state house that you think would be helpful as circuit attorney if you're elected? I'm just of curious. Of course, about I mean, that. legislation, laws, they they make our city safer and, you know, last this last session um it was sad that we have legislators that choose to make it easier for us to have guns when we have a gun problem in the city of St. Louis and all over the state of Missouri. So, you know, when we look at legislation and how laws affect how we can prosecute and hold some of those offenders accountable, it makes it difficult. Well, now we're going to a permitless state when we have a lot of guns out here already. Um, and so this, we have to look at what we do and how this legislation, instead of basically promoting one lobby, I guess a lobbyist's interest, NRA, which we know we see the problems and the destruction of what happened in Orlando. I mean, we we know it's easier to get a gun to get health insurance. It's sad. It's sad. So it makes a big difference understanding and navigating the legislative process. And of course, I will use my skills as a legislator to advocate not just for my office but all the offices around the state because we have to make our city safer now as joe wrote yesterday and we're recording this it on june 15th so it's just for a timestamp. all five gubernatorial candidates including democratic nominee chris coster are are opposed likely democratic are, nominee let's yes, be fair here. let's be fair <laughs> I, I don't want to give short shrift to leonard steinman there <laughs> you did finally get to interview him it was amazing um it was noted on Joe's story, and, and maybe Joe can explain this more, that none of the five candidates, including Chris Coster, support gun control. And well, well, I think I think we should rephrase that. All of them are say that they support gun rights, which is a bit different. Now, the Republicans, a couple of them, including Catherine Hannaway, want to expand it. Coster right now is not talking about any sort of expansion. He hasn't said anything about the bill that's on the governor's desk. Uh, and when I talked to him, he the only thing he did say was that he, he said we need a balanced approach, but he did not, he declined to go any detail on yeah. what he's talking and, about. And, and the reason I'm bringing this up is Coster was supported <laughs> in the past by the National Rifle Association. It seems like regardless of who the next governor is, even if the legislature changes dramatically, that's going to be a big impediment to do things that maybe you want, maybe more local autonomy for gun control in St. Louis, maybe you know, gun control measures. So given that obstacle, how are you going to navigate that reality? Well, I think, you know, as a legislator, I've learned being one of, what, 45 Democrats out of 163 on the House, I understand that we have issues that it's going to be an uphill battle. But at the end of the day, we can all agree, whether you're Republican, Democrat, you know, uh, straight, gay, that we need to have sensible gun control and we need to come together as a community because we see the devastating destruction of what guns are doing in the wrong hands. And until we come together and say, why can't we have reasonable regulations on guns like we have in anything else? You have to take a test to get a driver's license, but we don't have to take a test to get a gun. We have to have a waiting period for, for certain uh, health, women health reproductive rights, but we, we have no checks and balances, and we have to balance the public safety against any interest, and we have to come together regardless of whether I, I believe that we have a right under the Second Amendment to have lawful gun ownership, but we're not talking about those people. We're talking about people who are killing and, and, and shooting people in the middle of the street in an inhumane way, and we continue to have no measures that we can address get, keeping those guns out of their hands. We have all these loopholes, but we can't address 
and close some of these loopholes because we're going to continue to see the devastation and destruction if we don't do anything. And the NRA needs to be held accountable for for this this sweeping policy that they're going across the nation in terms of lessening gun rights. I think right now in Missouri we're ninth in terms of the lax laws out of the 50 states. It's, it's scary. It's scary. And we have to do something. So, you know, I know it's going to be hard, but I'm going to stand up there with like-minded people who want to have some sensible control, and I'm going to fight when no matter what. I don't care if, it's, if we have a Republican governor. I'm going to fight for it because we cannot protect the people of the city of St. Louis or the state of Missouri from the senseless violence that we see. What do you see that the circuit attorney's office is doing right that you would continue if you're elected? And what would be some of the things based on what you see now or what you learned during your time there that would be some of the first things you would want to change if you were to be elected? I mean, I like that the the circuit attorney's office has tried to do some things with neighborhoods, and I, they have a, a neighborhood ownership model that that is, is, is a great start. But like I said, we have to include more individuals who are not a part of the neighborhood ownership models. You know, Jennifer Joyce has been really good on victims' rights um, and victim services. She's been really good on um, making sure victims are, are in some way um, she tries to advocate for their protection, as we heard in courts, in terms of disclosing their, their identifiers. But at the same time, you know, Jennifer Joyce is not running. So in this office with the new time, we have to look at how we can build trust. And building trust means we have to hold that office accountable and make sure within that office we have to build, you know, uh, an ethics policy like no other. We have to also have training and, and, and diversity in that office because, you know, when I was there, I was one of of well, one of three African-American attorneys that was actually a prosecutor in that office, and that's unacceptable. I mean, and not just because I'm African-American, but also in terms of diverse thought. So we also have to have, you know, a better dialogue, or well, well, to me, a better dialogue with the, the courts, you know, better, you know, autonomy inside those courts to give the prosecutors a better uh, tool so they can advocate for the people of the city of St. Louis. So, you know, Jennifer Joyce, and I, and I respect her, and she gave me my opportunity in that office. You know, it's hard. We can't really talk about Jennifer Joyce because now we're moving past the Jennifer Joyce, and she's done good things, and she's been criticized for a lot of things also. But now it's time to move forward. One of the things that we've heard a lot about in terms of trying to build trust with the neighborhoods and with the community would be putting a special prosecutor in place for police shootings. Is that something that you would support putting that in a, in another office than yours or somewhere other than the circuit attorney's office? I think we need to, like I would like to sit down and I've been from day one, I've been supportive of special prosecutors as a legislator as well as a candidate for circuit attorney. So I am a big proponent of special prosecutors, but we also have to make sure we have independent investigation in those offices because we want to make sure that a thorough investigation, not saying there's not a thorough investigation being done, but yeah. we have to, to have this, uh, the perception of bias is the problem we're having with whatever the outcome may be in these types of cases. We have to make sure we have a mechanism set up, and I want to work with legislators as well as the courts, whatever I need to work with, to make sure we have an independent investigating body as well as a prosecutor. Because actually, I'm glad that you mentioned that because the first recommendation the Ferguson Commission report was a special prosecutor. I believe the second or third one was an invest independent investigator, which in their case was the Highway Patrol. So to kind of follow up, do you have any idea of like who the independent prosecutor or who the independent investigator would be at this point? Well, 
I have heard the Highway Patrol, and I've heard some people say that they don't they don't know if they want to deal with that type of role. But you know, I think that you know we can all sit down and and even talk about maybe the attorney general being the special prosecutor in some instances with a independent investigative team. Um, and what that team look like, we have to have these discussions. But right now, when it's we cannot even have a, a real discussion about a special prosecutor, that prevents us from having ideas. And so I think that we, I would start off with the attorney general actually being the, the special prosecutor. and But who their investigative team would be, that's what we have to discuss. Now, one criticism of that, and actually Bob McCullough, of all people, brought this up, is that if you have an attorney general that is seen as very, quote unquote, pro-police, he even gave the example where he would be attorney general, that may not seem to be something that would satisfy a lot of people. And you have two Republicans right now, Josh Hawley and Kurt Schaefer, yeah. who I think are may fit that mold. So is that one of the possible pitfalls of that type of proposal? Well, I think that the proposal, I mean, that is a, a, a type of instances where we have to take a look. But I think that if we want to look at how we prosecute the laws, I think regardless of whether you're Republican or Democratic prosecutor, you should follow the laws of the state of Missouri. And I think that if you are independent and we had a pool of independent, if we say you we don't want it to be the actual attorney general, but a pool of independent special prosecutors from all over the state or even outside of the state, we need to have some mechanism that has the protections that the community can say this investigation and this type of shooting is done fairly and justly for both parties, not just one party, both parties. Now, um, with you and the other and your three rivals, are there any particular things that you think set you apart or that where you say, well, I believe this and none of them do? I mean, I'm just interested what sets you apart. Well, what sets me apart um is my focus from day one about trust. I mean, I tell people, you know, people hear diversions, community alternatives, different specialty courts, different programs. But, you know, we hear witness protection programs. We hear different uh, ways we can talk about how we police. If we do not build trust, which it's going to take a group of like-minded key stakeholders from community from law enforcement, from the prosecutor's office to the bench to come up with a, a solution that's specific to St. Louis, not any other city, because we're different. Every city is different. We could take some ideas, but we have to create, we have to show us that we can create our own show me type of, uh, of policies and, 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 and different procedures in place. But I think what sets me apart is I have the experience to work with different people in terms of being a legislator, understanding that I'm going to have people tell me no, but I'm going to keep going forward and try to work together as well as understand how much trust will make sure if we don't build trust, we will not have a successful prosecution rate. We will not have a successful law enforcement, uh, you know, issues. We will not have successful, you know, outcomes on the bench. It all works together, and we will not have the trust in the community, so we won't have witnesses to come forward. We won't have people who want to serve on juries. We won't have victims who feel that they can't come forward because they don't feel like the system is is, is going to uh, represent them and, and pursue justice on their behalf. And so we have to look at the broken system that right now is the great, with the presidential bay criminal justice reform we've been talking and hearing about, and people are on board from Republican side and Democratic side to say we have to do something different. And that's what I can bring by being, you know, a lifelong resident in North City and understanding the true devastating effects of what violent crime does. I mean, violent crime, it causes so many problems. It starts from childhood. 
you know, kids are exposed to more, most, they have a post-traumatic stress syndrome, I think, even earlier than most people, like people in, in, in warring countries, that, in, the different soldiers, you know, that it's, it's effects go so far. And we know that they have, we have to deal with these things, but we look at things on terms of only through the eyes of, okay, I'm a prosecutor, I can just prosecute. No, we have, we need multiple tools to solve this problem, and we have to come together. And I think that I can work with different entities and bring us together, and so we can have a real solution for the very real problems we're seeing right now. You mentioned a, a couple minutes ago about diversity within the circuit attorney's office, not just racial diversity, but also life experience. I, I'd like you to flesh that out a little bit more about how you are going to achieve that goal um, because I think that that's probably going to be something that a lot of candidates are going to talk about. But yes. I would like to know how you're going to actually accomplish it. I mean, one is we have to attract and train, you know, individuals from different backgrounds to come to St. Louis, whether it's within St. Louis borders versus, you know, other law schools. We we need to retain and attract very diverse backgrounds and diverse people. You know, we have a Bosnian community. You know, we need to have Bosnian prosecutors in in our office as well as, you know, Brown and Latino people in our in our as, as prosecutors, we have we have diverse groups. We need to have LGBT community represented because they are. We're gonna have a. We might see, as we some may say, a rise in hate crimes, and we have to be able to prosecute those types of crimes. So we need to have a diverse community representative of all of St. Louis, not just some of St. Louis, so we can have the experience and the knowledge to one hold those people accountable, but understand. The, the communities in which some people come from that that we need to have those people represented and make sure that we can address the, the, the unique situations in which our problems arise out of. And we need to have everyone at the table. And so I think that me being from a diverse background, understanding that it takes a it takes a group to come together and, and to solve a lot of these issues. I'm not afraid to say I don't know everything, but I'm gonna make sure I surround myself with people who are like-minded. We wanna move this city forward and we want to make our city safer in diverse and innovative ways. Now, one of the reasons why I think this race is so interesting, at least to me, is you have four candidates who have a reasonable amount of money in the bank. They're, they're all viable, in my opinion. You know, there's they all come from different parts of the city. So it's a really difficult race to handicap. So I'm just kind of curious, like, how do you like campaign for a race like this where there's no incumbent? Where the four candidates, while they may be known by, you know, in your case, your state representative district, but maybe not other parts of the city. Mm-hmm. How, how do you kind of campaign for this and what's kind of your strategy to, you know, get the needed percentage to win on August 2nd? Well, first is, you know, I've run for office, so I understand. I've actually lost offices also, so I understand you lose. <laughs> when you lose, you actually understand how to run a, a race. Of course, this is a bigger race than I've ever run for. But, I mean, one thing is, is about talking to people. It's about knocking on doors, getting out there, and interacting with all people. You know, we have to, to – I have to go places that I may not have represented, but I've been in meetings and, and interacted with different aldermen, committee people, and, and people in the community. But when I look at it, I don't separate the city of north side versus south side. I just say this is the city of St. Louis, and I just interact with as many people as I can, and I try to get my message out, and I try to understand where people are coming from and, and let them ask me questions. So it's more of a, a of a better monologue, dialogue than just me saying, this is Kim Garden, this is what I stand for, and, and actually – People challenge me, and so I think that people appreciate that. So that's how I'm running my campaign. When do you usually get challenged on? Like when you go in and, and make that, that 
that pitch, that elevator pitch to them at the door? What what's sort of been this thing that they they push back on the most or want to know the, more about? I mean, the the first thing is that you know a lot of people in the community. tell me, are you going to think about the community? Are you going to stand up for the community and make sure the community's interests are are inside or thought about inside that office? And I said, yes, because we have to pursue justice for the people of the city of St. Louis. And so community people want to know how we understand the office better, how we understand alternatives to incarcerating everyone in the system, how we understand how we take those people who are causing havoc and causing the violent crime in our city and holding them accountable, how I'm going to do all this. And it's simple, and, I, and I, it goes back to trust. And when you build trust, you educate people, you, you let them interact, and you have a transparent and, and tell them how are you going to be accountable to the public. People understand what I'm saying because they want something different. And they say we can't continue on how we're continuing on. The status quo is no longer acceptable. And we hear all the issues, and I even talk to some of the protesters, and I say, hey, you guys are protesting, but now it's time to start changing and how we're going to go forward and, and, and make this city better. That was going to be my next question because one of the things that I've noticed just as a city of St. Louis resident, and I live in the 16th Ward, St. Louis Hills, which I mention all the time, but I'm, I'm not naive. It's a fairly homogenous neighborhood that's about 99% white, although it's become more ethnically diverse with Bosnians, as you mentioned. And the police and law enforcement are viewed a whole lot differently there than, say, Shaw, which is more ethnically diverse, or maybe even North City, which is largely African-American. I'm just curious, as you go east, south, north, and west, if you're seeing different perceptions, not only of prosecutors, but of law enforcement, depending on where you are and how racially diverse or not diverse it is. Well, I think, as I said, the common goal is we all want, uh, we all deserve a better quality of life. And I think that's the same north, south, east, and west. And I think that people, regardless of whether you have this idea of law enforcement, which I, I mean, most people in the north city love law enforcement too. Is that's, yeah, a, that's, a, that's a misconception that we don't love law enforcement in the north city. Actually, we want more law enforcement in North City. But. I was going to just add on that because I remember there, there, there was at least parts of North City that had great relationships with the with the police in some areas, but, but some don't, as we've seen in the last uh, few months. But so that's, continues. But that's what we I've heard is is how supportive are you are you of law enforcement? I'm like I'm very supportive of law enforcement, but I'm also supportive of the community, and we have to make law enforcement in the community interact better together. And I and it was very um, humbling when I heard a lieutenant colonel, he was giving this uh, lecture on gun violence in the city of St. Louis. And he basically said to a very, degrees, a very diverse sorry, um, uh, group of people from north, south, east, west, he said, you can't prosecute or police your way out of this mess. We have to police differently. We have to prosecute differently. And that's what I took that we are changing and we have to come together. And that's what people around the city want. They know we have to do something different. What that is, that's what we're running for, to to put those things in place where we can have community buy-in, law enforcement buy-in, the bench buy-in, but we have to fix the system. And so that's what that's the common thing, regardless of where I go. How are we going to change what's going on? Well, thank you again for coming on the show. We felt like it was important to press you on the issues. Uh, we had you on before, but 
You had not announced yet for circuit right. attorney. so I kind of announced first. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. So for all of our stories, stlpublicradio.org. Follow me on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. Follow Joe on Twitter at... Jay Manis, that's J-M-A-N-N-I-E-S. Follow Rachel on Twitter at... At R. Lipman, two P's and two N's. And how do we follow you on Twitter? Uh, my K-M... What is it? K-M-G-77. Yeah, I'll make sure to double check that. It's yeah. a little bit more complicated. I have so many Twitter handles now. <laughs> so sorry. That that's okay. We'll be back next time. KMG27. Sorry. Okay. We'll be back next time. Until then, so long.